Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of With Tamara Gondor. That is me. I have the incredible privilege of interviewing everyday innovators from across the globe of all different backgrounds, perspectives, experiences, approaches, innovator styles. And I think what's awesome about that, and maybe this is a little bit selfish on my part, is I feel like I'm constantly taking in inspiration and ideas that help move me forward. And I know it does the same for you, for all of us out there listening. So thank you for joining me. And speaking of joining me, let me tell you a little bit about today's Everyday Innovator, his style, so you can listen to it in our conversation. And as I say kind of over and over again, as you're listening, I want you to think with two ears. One ear is for yourself, like, huh, how do I drive value? How do I innovate? How do I get more of what I'm looking for? And the second part is, oh, the people around me are a little bit different. So as I'm listening to Mark, maybe that makes me realize, oh, John, who I work with, or Susie, who I work with, is a little bit like this, and will help you connect with them too, because there's so much power in that diversity of thinking. So Mark is a futuristic instinctual. Here's what that means. Those are his two power triggers, his wellspring of innovation. The futuristic is all about force through the trees, Tomorrowland. People who are futuristic are really good at taking today's problems and turning them into tomorrow's opportunities. They're often 10 steps ahead of the rest of us. In fact, I was talking to someone the other day who has futuristic, and I know that about them because I made a comment or had an idea, and they said, well, how does that trickle out to, and they were already 10 steps ahead of me before I'd even gotten there. So that's the futuristic, right? They innovate in Tomorrowland. And then the instinctual side is all about the circuitous thought pattern. So connecting A to B to X back over to A. So while we may see random dots, If you're instinctual, right, you see how those things connect and you elevate information into insights. So the magic in that combination of futuristic instinctual is bringing forward and connective innovation to the table. That's your point of differentiation, how you stand out and how you add value. So with that said, I'm looking for a lot of value today. I know we're going to get it. Mark, welcome to the show. Tell the world who you are and what you do. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm Mark Flint. I am the co-founder and CEO of The Escape Game, uh, along with uh, my co-founders, Jonathan and James Merle, who are brothers. Um, we founded The Escape Game eight years ago, and we've grown to 25 locations across the United States. We have 900 uh, passionate and dedicated team members, and I have the privilege of serving them as, as the leader of The Escape Game every day. So tell me a little bit about the escape game and, and what it is for those who haven't heard of it yet, or if it's not in their area. Yes. So uh, it's an escape room concept. Basically it's experiential. It happens at one of our retail locations and our, our company designs and creates uh, these games uh, that people can play and their social games are played by small groups. Um, you're in a story driven mission. You're also on the clock. And uh, so you might, uh, one of our games is called Ruins of the Forbidden Treasure. And so that game starts out, you're crash landing in an airplane um, and it's all scenic, highly themed. 
um, and you land at the base of a ruins and you solve puzzles and tactile challenges. And the goal is to work together as a team to either escape the room or more commonly to complete the mission uh, in 60 minutes or less. It's a blast. So let me ask you a question, Mark, because I've done, I don't think I've had the privilege yet of doing it in the, in yours, but I've done similar things. And one of the things I've done multiple times, one of the things I'm always fascinated by is how it sometimes brings out the best and the worst in people and how you do and don't work together as a team. Like, I feel like there's a lot of lessons that come out of it. And I'm, I'm just curious from your perspective, kind of what you see as the big, not just the fun, but the big ahas people get after, you know, 60 minutes in a pressure cooker trying to solve things, hopefully together. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and we've gotten to observe, you know, we'll, we'll serve our 5 millionth guest this year. Oh, congrats. So we've got, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So we get to observe a lot of different people. Um, guests come for all types of reasons. Sometimes it's to connect with a loved one. Sometimes it's a work event where it's like an icebreaker. We've even had job interviews occurring in our games. I love um, it. And I, I think the common thing is when that when the story hits and you're put in an immersive environment, everyone's guard goes down for a second. Uh, so, you know, although we have technology infused in the rooms, this isn't a screen-based activity. And so it is real life. And the... Um, the immersion and the clock combine to help everyone's guard come down. And so it's a treat to watch. And like you said, you know, sometimes you see the best and sometimes the worst, but um, I think what our guests appreciate most when it's all said and done is the authenticity of the experience. Well, I think in the ones I've done, even um, the worst, and by the way, I'm speaking about myself because I can get a little controlling in those games. Um, it's funny, right? Like at the end, you kind of laugh at yourself because you're like, oh my God, I totally tried to control what everybody was doing. So nobody wants to play with me anymore because I'm always controlling, but it's not true. We have a great time. But, you know, I think like the worst isn't bad. It's just like you realize like, oh, sometimes I struggle in this when there's pressure or when I'm with the team. Um, what is a recent win or something you're really proud of? I think coming out of the pandemic, um, I've noticed this across retail. Um, everyone's uh, delivery of the guest experience kind of varies a little bit. So the hotel you used to go to uh, or the restaurant you used to go to, it seems a little bit, uh, maybe, maybe seems a little bit different. Um, and with staffing challenges and the changes in the workforce, um, it's been a big challenge for retailers specifically. And what I'm, I think, most proud of is our team really stepping up and, um, and we've been able to protect our culture. Um, our mission at the escape team is to design and deliver epic interactive experiences for every single guest. And so that every single guest is the heartbeat of our mission. And, and I'm really proud that the team coming out of the pandemic, we've been able to keep the reviews high, our net promoter score really high, and most of all, just deliver great experiences for guests. So I think there's a lot of distractions and um, pressures kind of trying to pick away at our culture and staying true to our vision every single, whatever our work is, right? Every single day, whether that's the uncertainty of the world or technology or um, just like the changing demands and pricing, like everything that's happening. How did you, you said protect your culture earlier. How do how did you tactically, like how did you really do that in a way that worked for your team? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, my, one of my co-founders, James Merle, 90% um, of his job is about culture. And so we have, you know, we're, it's, 
we didn't start from zero and wake up during the pandemic and think, uh-oh, we better focus on culture. And so, you know, we think about, and we talked about this, we think about the culture bank. And so we've been investing in our culture along the way. And during the pandemic, we had to make a lot of withdrawals. We had to ask a lot of our teams. They were in environments that were, um, you know, going to work during a pandemic is not the safest thing in the world. And and um, so as we made those withdrawals, we were mindful to keep that investing back in and making deposits as well. And so, you know, just little things that didn't have to be expensive, but, you know, having that regular monthly meeting where we, where we get alignment on strategy and we celebrate wins, um, especially with guests. And that provides the motivation and the passion for our team to come to, come, come to work every day and deliver those great experiences for the guests. So I really like the way you said that about you're asking for a lot of withdrawals. So you make sure to put in those deposits along the way too. And I think that's a great lesson for all of us. Cause I think a lot of, a lot of us on teams, whether we're an entrepreneur and have kind of small, you know, kind of a lot of part-time full-time people, or we're in a big company, we're asking more of the people that are around us than ever before. And we're being asked of a lot too. Um, but I think it's really mindful to think about those deposits and how you keep that going, knowing you're asking for a lot of withdrawals. And sometimes, I don't know if you experience this, I think that just recognizing you're asking for the withdrawals and that you are asking for a lot is kind of half the battle because I think most people just want to be acknowledged for the work they're putting in. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. And, um, you know, just just celebrating a win or recognizing a team member when they do something even if it's routine, uh, can go a long way. Yeah, a long, long way. What is something innovative that you all have done that's helped you, I don't know, manage through this change and kind of move forward? Yeah, um, shortly uh, after the onset of the pandemic, we we launched a line of digital play from anywhere experiences. And uh, so, um, you know, the impetus was where our backs were against the wall. We had to, you know, figure out something because uh, our all of our stores were closed. And um, we had done some digital work beforehand, so we were pretty well prepared for it. But we launched those digital games. And um, uh, so guests could play in our actual rooms through an avatar. And so we would, you know, our team would strap on a camera and you could tell them what to do. And uh, we created a software platform. And uh, it was really a lifeline for us. Um, and being able to uh, implement that uh, really quickly, we were up and running by early May of 2020. Um, March to a, May. Made a big difference. Yep. That's fast. So I, I want to dig into this a little bit, Mark, because I think to me, this is a really great example of really driving innovation. So I think in a lot of the hospitality retail space, the go-to was to just go virtual or curbside, right? As I call it. So, right, like restaurants all went curbside and they had to, I'm not knocking them, but that's not the most necessarily innovative or even meaningful way to serve your customers. There's one restaurant that I know that did a brilliant job of creating meal kits so that families, moms like me didn't, and dads didn't feel like we were always spending all our money and just like throwing a bag on the table. We could like cook a little bit at home, but they took their inventory, right? Repurposed it and gave us these cool meal kits. And they're still part of their revenue today. Um, and so when you talk about like avatars and telling people what to do, to me, that's way more innovative and meaningful than just, we're going to create a virtual app, right? An app people can play. So like instead of Wordle, you'll play this, right? So that's, that's much more innovative. How did that idea come about? We'll start there. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, in, in the pandemic really was the biggest challenge we faced. And, you know, just thinking back 
to those days and I was re- reviewing some notes um, from that time. You know, March, I'll, I won't forget that day, March 17th, 2020, we had to close every one of our stores. Rent was due for the next month. Um, you know, the company we loved and the team we cared about, are, you know, it was looking very grim. And as a leadership team, you know, we really leaned into our values and we started asking ourselves the question, why can't the pandemic be the best thing that's ever happened to us from a business standpoint? Obviously, you know, the death and tragedy and, and all that that we had to work through. But um, but we started to look at the crisis as an opportunity. And pretty soon our creativity value kicked in. And so before long, you know, we, you know, the first idea was let's make face shields. So we made our, our manufacturing plant started making face shields for healthcare workers. Our, our manufacturing team hit the streets and started taking cabinet making jobs. We were just desperately hungry to survive. And, um, and then shortly after that idea, you know, we, we saw in the marketplace, you know, oh, there are virtual opportunities. And, and we, you know, our marketing team, uh, actually, Teddy Cheek, our, our, who leads our marketing team, said, hey, we should try this. And I, to be honest, I didn't think, you know, I, I put, will that be as good? It's not going to be as good. Um, but, you know, we took the plunge and went all in right away. And, and looking back, you know, if we would have let the doubts and, and the questions of, oh, is this going to be good enough? Is it going to be as good? And I think the desperation actually helped us at that time to, to move quickly because, hey, what else are we going to do? We're, you know, we're, we're going we're to be in trouble if we don't do something. And, um, and then quickly, uh, we were quickly able to put it together. There was a lot of, you know, building the plane while, while taking off. Um, it wasn't perfect when we started, but we were quickly iterating and, and modifying the experience so that it would be great for guests. So there's two things in that story that I just want us all to really hear. One is in the beginning of that, you had said, you know, we kind of thought of it as, well, what if the pandemic is our greatest opportunity? And I know what you mean. We're n- none of us are saying that like we wanted a virus to spread across the globe the way it did. Obviously not. But I think what's important in there is that switch in asking the question differently actually takes you down whole different paths of ideas. And so I think one of my favorite exercises to do with teams is actually to have them, whatever challenge we're talking about, to start from the point of, well, hold on, if this is our greatest opportunity, what does that actually look like? And that's really, I think that's a really important flip because questions in is answers out. So that question, the way you did that, that flip, I think is really important. The second thing is that I love about this, and I'm sure this was intentional on your part, but it just, as you were saying, it kind of hit me is you thought about, you, you went back to your values, but you also created an idea that kept people working. And that's kind of exciting too. You know, it's like, all right, how do we bring this? Cause the right, they were the avatars, like they had to be out there like doing the things right in the escape rooms. So what a great gift to come up with an innovative idea that is, is meaningful to customers, but also meaningful to your employees. Yeah, absolutely. And and some of our, you know, we, we were concentrated in the Southeast, our hometown of Nashville. So we had some of our retail locations open up early in the game, but we're also in San Francisco and New York City. And those team members, you know, we, we were shut down completely, but the allow, uh, the cities there did allow our team to show up and work. They could be the only person in the room and it would, it would comply with all the regulations. So what it really was, you know, yes, it helped us with revenue, but you're right. The, the fact that we were able to keep our team working during that time um, was invaluable. 
to, to us as a company. So that's the challenge I want to pose to everybody out here, all us everyday innovators, is whatever your whatever obstacles in front of you, I want you to switch it to, hey, if this is an opportunity, what would that look like? And just start from there and see where it takes you like it took for the escape game and for Mark and his team, because that's really powerful. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on With Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff Zoe is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition. And I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy's CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy. But before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. I want to flip it for a second, although I think that was probably a big challenge you you overcame. But what is a moving forward? What is a challenge that you have faced, and how are you overcoming it? Yeah, I think um, particularly relevant right now is what's going on in the workplace um, with work from home from home, and then also in hospitality and leisure, um, wages have increased, um, which is which is not necessarily a bad thing, but they've gone up, you know, fifteen percent or so in the in the hospitality industry, and um, and the game is different, like the. The way we have to think about staffing our 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 locations, so we, we we do have an advantage. It is a blast to work at the escape game. I mean, we create games for a living. Uh, we deliver them for get for guests. They come out of the games cheering and having a great time, and so it's a fun job. We do have that going for us. Um, but the thing, you know, our strategy uh, in terms of how do we, you know, compete and and have a full staff um, has to be different um, because. You know, in Orlando, for instance, you know, when Disney and Universal Studios decided, oh, we're going to open full now and we're going to, you know, bring everybody back. They have these huge swings and they're offering incentives and everybody is competing for the best team. And, 
Um, and so that's one of the, the challenges that we're facing. Um, interestingly, we, I, I'm, I come from a game design, uh, function in the escape game. I love games. I love uh, designing them, but our secret sauce is really in our team and the delivery of the games and how, how the team is guided through and the personal interactions that our team has with guests. And so the escape game, it is part of our identity having a great team deliver the experience. So that's the challenge that we're, we're working through now. So will you give me some examples of how you are, aside from the fun part, I get that, like how great to see people just have a blast and open up and let down their guard. But, but how are you actually driving those incentives or that kind of benefits or whatever it is to keep them there as well? Because I know this is a topic that, Pretty much everybody in every industry right now is dealing. It used to be very industry specific, and now it's everybody struggling to compete for the same talent. Um, so I'd love to know just a little bit of the how. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think we're leaning into you know communicating better what the benefits are of working at the escape game. And so um, we, you know, we we have an internal leadership program, and so twenty five out of twenty five of our general managers across the country started out as game guides, which is our entry-level position. It's, it's very unique. And um, our culture, because our culture is, is unique, we found that it's difficult for us to hire from the outside. And so, you know, I just, we just opened the, our latest location at American Dream, the big mall in New Jersey, the Meadowlands. And I got to sit with the team as we were opening. And it's so powerful to be able to tell them, hey, all of your all of the people who are running stores across the country were sitting where you are. You know, two, it takes about two years. And so I think, um, you know, having that growth, you know, growth is one of our values. So we believe in expanding our business and developing our team members. And then actually the formal leadership program, um, which James Merle, my co-founder, runs called Ascend. We have 106 of our team members are enrolled in that program. So they're getting leadership material and training along the way. And it's, a, it's an inside track for them to grow and develop. So what I think is actually really the opportunity that's come out of the last couple of years and the great resignation or whatever you want. I don't know that that's, I don't love that phrase. So I don't think that really sums it up right. But whatever, the great reset is it has forced a lot of industries and companies to rethink their leadership tracks and to even implement ones they didn't have before. I, I was speaking to a group in construction and one of them is in um, insulation. And he was saying that they created all this different, not a hierarchy, but like le levels, right? So people could grow into the job and into leadership positions in an industry that otherwise would never have that. Like you're either an installer or you're part of the management team and there's like nothing in between. And that's allowed him to attract and retain employees when some of his colleagues are really struggling. So I love the fact that now jobs that you wouldn't think would have a career path absolutely have a, a career path. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, I think we've always looked at it this way, but formalizing it, you know, we're really in a partnership with our team members. And, you know, there's some things that are non-negotiable for us. You know, you have to come with humility and empathy for guests. Or, you know, things are just not going to work out at the escape game. Um, but also, um, as workers, and information is at the fingertip of the worker, American worker today. And it's a good thing. And, and there's some things that, you know, traditionally all employers have done that really are outdated. 
And so, you know, what are these things that we absolutely have to have? I think you get these conversations in terms of work from home and, you know, flexible work schedule and that kind of thing. But but really looking at the relationship between employer and employee, employer and team member as a partnership. Yeah. What do you, I love your perspective on this. What do you think are some of the things that are outdated that maybe management tends to hold on to? And what advice would you have for someone, you know, Mark, if, if I worked for you and I wanted to come to you and say, hey, let's, we need to change up how we're doing this. It's a little bit outdated. Like what, what are some of those things and what advice do you have for someone who would be in my shoes that wants to try to make those changes? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So, uh, you know, efficiency uh, with a workforce comes with having standards and rules and, and processes. Um, and I think what we've done is, and, and, and those are necessary, like we can't have, you know, 20 different compensation plans for our sales team. You know, it has, it has to be some consistency. But with our guests, we've always taken a one-size-fits-one approach, you know, and so we, we really want to understand why is a guest coming in, and uh, it's, the, it's in our language, in our DNA, and I think we've allowed that to come also into, into our HR function, and it's what are the things that we can be flexible in, and so it's really looking for the things that, uh, obviously, you can make compromises that will, will sink your business, and that's not going to do anyone any good. Uh, if you can't, if you don't have a successful business that can support growth that team members need. Um, but, you know, critically looking at some of the things that, you know, it's always been this way. You know, we've always had people working in this setting. And and um, and uh, I think really innovating with respect to, or, or at least being open to innovate with respect to how you treat the team members. I think actually there's a lot of room for flexibility within structure. We just have to find those little gaps, right? The places that it can actually happen. I think we think flexibility or innovation and structure are mutually exclusive, but that's not been my experience. I think actually you can have that box, you can have those boundaries, but have little holes that are perfect, right? For those places to your point. So I love that advice. How do you think about being an everyday innovator and driving innovation on a regular basis? Yeah, uh... When I think about innovation, I, I often think about risk. And um, and one of my one of my co-founders, Jonathan Merle, is a legendary risk taker. Um, he is. I, I want him to take your test because he is off the charts, always thinking about something new. Um, I'm a little bit more calculated, so I like to understand the risks, but I will go and take the risk at the right time. And I think, you know, for me. Uh, Faith is important to me. Family, my wife, Melinda, my best friend of 29, uh, we've married 29 years. Um, those are the reasons I get up in the morning. It's not to make money. or And so having that uh, as really the driver of, of you know, why I'm, why I'm living uh, gives me a little advantage because I can be a little bit more of a risk taker. Like it's not going to, you know. And, and so, and I think, I think that's the one thing that innovators have in common, successful innovators is they will get, you know, on the edge of that high dive diving board and they're not going to walk down the ladder. They are going to jump in at some point and take the risk. And, um, and so that's, that's, that's what I think about in terms of innovation. Um, been helpful for me. I really like that you said calculated risk. Cause I think, um, and so my, and I bet we, I have that in common with your colleague. So my everyday innovator style is risk taker experiential. So I'm all about leaping and getting uncomfortable. And I can, t I can leap 
sometimes too soon, but I am thoughtful about it, right? I don't take risks just to take risks. I think about it, but I tend to always be like, let's leap, let's leap. And if I climb up that ladder, there's no going down. Like you gotta just, you gotta keep going, right? You better build more ladder for me or like, let me leap. But I love what you said about calculated risk because sometimes the false narrative I think we buy into is that if we're not this massive risk taker, like throw caution to the wind, then we're not innovators. And that's in no way true at all. The science shows it, the, my experience shows it. So I love that you said calculated risk because I think it's a great reminder that that type innovation comes in all different forms and you don't have to be that like throw caution to the wind person that we see on the cover of the magazine. In fact, that's like very few and far between. So thank you for that. Yeah. What as a futuristic and sensual, so that kind of, you know, forward and connective innovation, what advice do you have for other everyday innovators out there of all types who are looking to kind of navigate forward in this next normal that we're all in? Yeah, that's uh, a great question. I, I think I would strongly recommend picking your team really wisely. Uh, and now for solo entrepreneurs, you may say, well, I don't really have a team, but you really do. You've got advisors, you've got, you know, whose book are you reading? Who, what podcast are you listening to? Um, and you have, you know, friends that you bounce ideas off of. Um, it's been amazing for me to have, you know, co-founders like James and Johnny and then our senior leadership team. We are, uh, we don't agree on everything for sure. We have very healthy. Debates. That's good. Um, yeah. And, uh, but we are aligned. Um, so our values, uh, you know, we have common values that we put in front of our own, our own, you know, desires and wishes, and we really can trust each other. And the, um, the value that's created when you've got a team that can trust each other, um, I think, you know, it's, it's one of the things that it's really hard to measure, but it really, really, really delivers in terms of value for the company. So I'd love to hear from your perspective, the difference between um, alignment and consensus, because, you know, I, yeah, I'll stop there. I have story yeah, after no, story on that, but they're not the same thing and we get them confused. Yeah, it's, it's you know, when we're, when we're going through our strategic planning, um, our goal is alignment and consensus. We don't, you know, consensus uh, is everyone just, you know, you know, being forced to kind of agree and you don't have real buy-in. So I think the difference is really on a, in alignment. Um, you haven't skipped that process of the healthy debate. And so, and, and creating a, and we, we get to do this in our game design all the time. So creativity is one of our values and we have brainstorming sessions all the time. So we're used to it, but, you know, making sure you don't skip and it's not a real top-down approach. Hey, here's what we're doing, you know, and you better, you better get in line. <laughs> And that's different than alignment, which is everyone gets to bring their ideas. There's thoughtful conversation and, and uh, debate. And then you decide. And then once you decide, everyone um, agrees that, hey, we're going we're gonna to go at this plan with everything we've got. I think often that to add to that, the consensus waters down ideas. It's like if you took every Crayola crayon and all its brilliant colors and melted them all together and you get that like nothing brown color that doesn't look like anything. And I think oftentimes in meetings that I've seen, and, it, and I saw this a lot when I was junior in my career and really didn't know any better, you know, it was like everybody had a say and everybody's say was equal. And, and not that everybody's voice shouldn't be heard. I do believe every voice should be heard, but not every idea can move forward. 
So they would take this a nugget of a brilliant idea. And by the time it was done, it was like so chipped away that it was like a nothing burger at best. And it failed. Shocker. So I, I like that you brought that up because I think we should strive for alignment. And you said something else in there that's really valuable is alignment comes after that thoughtful debate and discussion. And I think we miss that. Sometimes we're afraid of it. Um, but I think conflict is actually good. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes it's not fun, but if you skip it, then you're you're going to have conflict one way or the other. So having it on the front end in an open, uh, safe environment is a lot better than because that conflict is coming. Yeah, it's, it's either going <laughs> to you're, you're either going right. to control it or it's going to it's going to come and you're going to have to you know fight it. Well, either you can use I love that you just said that either you can use that conflict on the front end to strengthen what you're doing, or you can have it on the back end to justify the failure and the problems that you have because you didn't have it on the front end. That's really right. It's like all the tough conversations that we should have in our life, I think. Um, and I always say like, what we want is to debate, to debate ideas, not people. So it's not about Mark. I have a problem with you. It's here's the, here's my problem with this idea. Right. And that's okay. Like, that's great. Um, so anyway, that was great. Thank you for that. I've got, I can't believe I have time. I've got one last question for you, which is personal which is what's one thing we'd be surprised to learn about you? Uh, I think uh, maybe the number of escape, escape games I've played. Uh, we started playing games. Our first one was in London in 20, 2013. We played it as a family. And I, I love this business and I love our company, but I also love escape games. They're yeah. so much fun. So and, fun. Uh, so I've played 500 games in 15 different countries, most of those uh, with family or our wow. game design team here. Wow. And, I would uh, love to test. If you ever need a tester, call me. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're always, our team's always it. creating new games. So for sure. That is a lot of games. Okay. So here's, I'm going to give you one little nugget that I, I think is funny. I don't know. You probably see this all the time. One of the challenges that I have in an in escape game is I tend to overcomplicate what the solutions should be, right? I'm like, no, the widget needs to go down, up, over, and around when it's just down, right? And I've learned that lesson the hard way. And I think that actually represents sometimes in life how I sabotage myself is I make things too complicated, right? There's no way the simple answer could possibly work. It has to be more complicated. And I'm sure other people have their little quirks in the escape game, but I, for me... I love them because they're fun, but I also love them because I learned a little something about where I do really well and where maybe I need to work on it. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. It's a very common uh, common thing that happens in games. Um, we, I love to watch uh, young people play. Uh, even you know, families will bring their kids, and sometimes the view from a five year old's eyes is much better than all the adults. Yes, and, uh, and it, it happens more than you would think. Well, I'm going to just tell everyone out there, it is great for work teams. For I've taken my kids. I love, go, like, I think it's so much fun as a family. Birthdays, celebrations, call with friends, right? Like, it's just, it's great for any occasion. So, Mark, thank you so much for joining me. Really a wealth of great insights. I appreciate the kind of just the willingness to share what's going on at the escape game and how, not just how you made it through the last couple of years. So I think that's a really powerful story, but how you're thinking about the future too. Thank you so much for having me. 
Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.